Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One is Mark and John's the other They're just friends, they are not lovers It's two old queens It's two old queens They're just sassy, not that mean Two old queens It's two old queens Now shut up Hello Welcome to Two Old Queens I'm John Flynn I'm Mark Rennie Mark, it is a brand new year, and Mm. I'm so excited for our brand new guest. Please let everyone know who's joining us. They're an actor, comedian. You've seen it used to be in college humor. It's Chase McCown. Hello. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Thank you for doing this, Chase. Now, Chase, you, (laughs) I have a pretty good hunch. Okay. Are you a fan of a classic movie? Sure, yes. An old-timey movie? Yes. Wow, what a swing. Do you remember? Was there an was there one that like initially like hooked you? Like, oh, I don't have to see uh clueless, although you should, but is you know, it was something like, oh, I like like was there what was your like uh not the on-ramp, but what's the uh, the gateway? To like to like my intro to like loving classic movies? Yeah. Gosh, that's a good question. Thank um, you. I just thought of it right now. Probably <laughs> as I do love the classics and mm. my favorites are older than this but this was the first older movie i remember connecting with was this the graduate mm-hmm. oh okay. are you a big simon and garfunkel head uh, huge actually that was how i got into the movie <laughs> but now i love the movie independent of them and for them but that i was like wow okay so not all movies from that era were that kind of stereotypical this movie was mm. kind of weird um, compared to what else I thought <laughs> was one, from yeah. the time. The graduate, the graduate mean? The and the one we're talking about tonight. Oh, I yeah, see, I see. And one kind of leads to the other actually in a roundabout way. Go for it. Okay. Personal level. Yeah. How? Tell us. So once I discovered that movies from like the late 60s, early 70s, could be a little, for lack of a better word, just weird. I was used to like <laughs> From Here to Eternity or Gone oh, with the Wind, but it's very yes. much just like a static drama um yeah 
And in the graduate, I was like, wow, Mike Nichols really plays around with like character or camera angles and um, lighting and all that. So I had, I was a very good high schooler in terms of just being a goody goody. So my <laughs> parents did not balk when I asked if I could have cable in my room so that I could watch older movies. Um, I mean, and late okay. at night, first sign. Yeah, I was uh, oh, the craziest thing I'd seen at that point was like Melrose Place. I um, see, very for sure. So one night I had fallen asleep, and I think it was like Cinemax, which I know sounds like a teenage boy watching that at night would be mm. for a porno. For me, it was for something more like um, you know, I guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, but <laughs> all about Eve, right? Yeah. So I fall asleep and at like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., I awake to this very weird scene in a movie I'm not familiar with, with, an, with no actors I'm familiar with, where they're just at a party and you can tell it's early 70s, yeah. saying all this crazy shit to each other. Yeah. And then I turned it off, fell back asleep and, and had no clue. At the time, I'm sure, you know, in the late 90s, I could have gone through an old TV guide, but I couldn't figure <laughs> out what the movie was. Kind of haunted me. <laughs> Yeah. Then I was it a dream it. you must have won. You know, was that real? Did oh. it happen? Tonight's appearance is proof that it was real because <laughs> it is the movie I've selected. How did you end up uh, discovering that that was the movie? So I saw the first Valley of the Dolls. Oh, sure. um, and tonight's movie, since is beyond the Valley of the Dolls. <laughs> Spoiler! Uh, well, although it's in the Spoiler, title. Spoiler, so sorry. <laughs> Put it sorry, on Twitter. Fans. Um, and I'll let you all give the intro, but I saw the first one, because mm. what we're talking about tonight is an in-name-only sequel. Thank and you. And Valley of the Dolls was very melodramatic, very campy. Patty Duke, mm-hmm. Sharon Tate, what's her name? Uh, Susan Hayward. Susan Hayward, thank you. And just, almost, just, yeah, a very crazy movie. But then I read about the sequel, and so I rented the sequel. And then at, in the middle of it, when we get to the party scene, it just it clicked. I was like, holy shit, this is my, I guess, holy grail of unknown movies. <laughs> but I don't want to get too ahead of us. All right. Well, then let's just, I think you've on-ramped us beautifully. Uh, today. We're talking about I hope so. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. John, what's the deal with Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? Mark, let me tell you the deal with Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. It was directed by Russ Meyer with a screenplay by Roger Ebert and a story from Ebert and Meyer. It was originally intended as a sequel to the 1967 film Valley of the Dolls, dolls being a slang term for depressant pills or downers. But Beyond the Valley of the Dolls was instead revised as a parody of the commercially successful but critically reviled original. It tells the story of three girls who come to Hollywood to make it big but find only sex, drugs, and sleaze. Mm. It stars Dolly Reed, Cynthia Myers, Marsha McBroom, Phyllis Davis, John Lazar, Michael Bloggett, and David Gerlin. Uh, first screened on June 17th, 1970 at the Pantages Theater in Los Angeles. Thank you very much. It originally had an X rating, but in 1990, it was reclassified as NC-17, and it made $9 million off a budget of $900,000. Uh, it was initially panned, pretty much. Ebert's future TV host Gene Siskel, put it on his list of the 20 worst films of the year. He gave the film zero stars out of four, writing that it unfolds with all the humor and excitement of a padded bra, Boredom Plenty is provided by a screenplay, which for some reason has been turned over to a screenwriting neophyte. Variety wrote that it was not much of a film. Producer-director Russ Myers, who once made low-budget sex picks, which had a crude and innocuous charm, but not much of a story, this time around spent between 20 and 30 times the money he used to have and got less for it. 
However, John Waters has expressed admiration for the film, citing it as one of the best movies ever made. And that is the deal with Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. So Chase, we asked you to bring in a movie, and so why Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? Why bring it in to uh, us? Why show it to us? <laughs> well, knowing that there is an, an end game for the movies brought in to assess them on the, you know, <laughs> how gay are they? Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, I think that this is certainly in some ways problematic, not even just towards any one group. It offends pretty much everybody. But that said, it's, uh, I think, despite its qualities that are attributed to age, is probably one of the first times that you see just a very openly same-sex relationship unfold. Yeah. And so that's just one of the reasons I thought of it. It's also just such a hypersexualized, campy, colorful, <laughs> um, insane movie. Uh, I know a couple of your guests have mentioned their own litmus test. And I don't know if this one for me is a litmus test as much as it is, will you still like me if you understand how much I love this movie? <laughs> yeah. Because it's insane. Um, how many times have you seen it, do you think? Countless. I could not count. Countless. Wow. Okay. It is in the top five. Right? Wow. Okay. Close to the graduate. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, my partner saw it and said, I hate this. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh-oh. Okay. I can't get this out of my head. I'm so mad you showed me this. Um, and then I've had people who've loved it and gone on to show other people. So it's, to me, it kind of goes to the echelon of gay film that is both kind of obscure and just so insane. Kind of like there's a movie that Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton did in the late 60s called Boom. Um, oh, yeah. It's that kind of crazy where it's just... Mm-hmm. You're not really there for the plot. Yeah. Um, you're not there because you're expecting a good movie. It's just like a pop cultural sexual time bomb has exploded. <laughs> and it's a big budget movie. Yeah. Filmed entirely on the 20th Century Fox lot. This isn't some low rig deal. No. So to me, there's just so much about it that's fascinating that is ahead of its time in terms of its portrayal of just like same sex, whether it's just casual sex or relationships. I love it. It's crazy. That's why I chose it in a very long roundabout answer. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, John, what do you bring into the Valley of the Do- uh, Beyond? Uh, well, I had seen Valley of the Dolls countless times for years. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, I saw for the first time maybe six months ago. This was one of those movies where my husband and I just randomly watched it. And even as I was watching, I was like, I bet someone's going to bring this in. I'm going to have to rewatch this in like a couple months. Um, but I did not mind. It is... It is bonkers. And, you know, I think it sort of does. Yes, it story-wise, plot-wise, doesn't have anything to do with Valley of the Dolls. But there is sort of like the basic underline of like three women come to yes. town to seek their fame and fortune in show business. Corrupted. And then it's just they either survive it or don't. And it and I would say like the two of them, like Valley of the Dolls feels very East Coast, New York. And Beyond the Valley of the Dolls feels very L.A. to me. And so in that way, I feel like they do make sense spiritually, not just their titles. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously certain characters who are like, oh, you were supposed to be that person and you were supposed to be that person. Like they're definitely there's definitely those connections in it. I mean, I think it's it's bananas. It is fun. It's ridiculous. You it, it so much happens. It's like it, it's like a it's like an entire season of like. Vanderpump rules in two hours. You know what I mean? It's just like, you can't look away for a second because something nuts is going to happen. Watching it again, I think I enjoyed it more. I think there is that case. Because I think what you were saying earlier, like it's one of those titles where I think everyone's heard of it. Everyone knows, oh, Roger Ebert wrote this crazy 
bonkers movie, but not a lot of people have actually seen it. But having seen it once you're like, oh, I know what this crazy ride is, you get to enjoy it the second time around. So I uh, very much enjoyed seeing it again. How about you, Mark? What are you bringing to the party that is beyond the Valley? Uh, well, I too had just watched it like a month ago for like the second time. And then knowing I had to watch it again, I was like, great. <laughs> it's like one of those <laughs> movies, like I never, I've seen it now, I think three times. And like, I'm never, it's impossible to be bored watching this movie. The, <laughs> it's also edited so frenetically and like yeah. it instantly will cut to a scene already like the middle of a scene. Yeah. Um, it's so, and the dialogue is so fun and endlessly quotable. It's like, doesn't, they're using slang in ways nobody ever uses slang. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, and I did just watch Valley of the Dolls for the first time, which I had read the book, but I had never seen the movie, but okay. I watched Valley of the Dolls this weekend. All right. And watching it, knowing, seeing, I had only seen Beyond first, but then going to Valley of the Dolls, you're like, Oh, this is like the more straight ahead version. <laughs> this yes. is the more like conservative in a way. Like yes. there are crazy <laughs> moments like Valley of the Dolls is good when Susan Hayward is on the screen, but there's a really a bit of a slog in that middle hour, I would say, whenever she's not on uh -huh. screen. But then it ends mm -hmm. with a big uh Patty Duke flushing a wig down the toilet. So we're like, okay. It redeems itself. Yeah. It Patty redeems Duke, itself. Patty Duke takes that movie home. Yeah. yeah. Literally at the end. Yeah. But Beyond yeah. is like consistently, constantly insane, funny. Beyond uh, the Valley of the Dolls, like they added cocaine in a yes. way that like Valley of the Dolls is like, oh yeah, they're taking downers. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is like, and speed. <laughs> yeah. It's. <laughs> Great. I don't know. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's becoming like a favorite movie of mine. I've seen it because I've, I've see, seen it multiple times and I'm never bored. And there's always just something new to pick up or like a snippet of dialogue that stands out in a new way. Mm -hmm. um, it's it, it really rewards reviewing. Uh, I -watching. love to hear that because <laughs> that it, that's why it became one of my favorites. Just because when I first saw it, it was alone. And I think I was home from work with like a cold. So I'm already on day quill. <laughs> and I'm already also to You're be honest, loony. a little also a little stoned too. Chase, <gasps> um, I know. But here's the thing about that movie: I defy you if that is your thing to not watch it with some sort of altering substance. Um, I've watched right. it sober and stone both times are delight. Watching it sober, you yeah. feel stoned anyways. Yeah, true, true. And so the first time I watched it, it was alone, so there's nobody to like turn to and say, like, what is girl, this? Did right? I just see this correctly? Yeah. Did my eyes process this? Um, and so then you want to show with more people to gauge more reactions. And I'm the same way. I discover something new every time, um, even when I rewatched it for this. And They're even the movie itself doesn't really tell you exactly what you're meant to be feeling. Like, is this meant to yeah. be funny? Right. Especially like the three endings. <laughs> you're like, yes. wait, is this sincere? <laughs> what is happening? But then I also did listen to the Roger Ebert commentary track on the, the Criterion today. Uh -huh. And like, it is, he would just, he describes like Russ Meyer hearing him just like cackling while writing the dialogue and then coming in to show him the pages. But then yeah. even like that final monologue where they're all wrapping up the morals of everything. Oh, right yeah. Now. That While they show out. like this man on crutches trying to cross a river, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's over funny. Rocks, yeah, <laughs> like, but also, if you don't know, if this is your first time watching, you're like, what am I meant to be thinking? Yeah, it's, it's it is like challenging in a way, in a delightful way of like, it doesn't hold your hand in any way, 
tonally of like, what's my, what am I, what's my takeaway is, are they in on it? Are they not? It's just, I think that kind of stuff, the fact that it is so uh, hard to pin down, make it, makes it fun to rewatch. And I think it is left up to interpretation in a way that movies strive for on a much more surface level. This one really just throws so much at you, even in reading like the Wikipedia page, like it's a satire, it's a comedy, it's a rock opera, it's a horror film, it's a (laughs) musical. Right. It is. But I also think that it is such a product of its time too, just with the style, the look, the outfits alone. I would wear any anyone's oh, outfit yeah. in that movie. Any anyone's <laughs> anyone's, except like the like police, if there is a police, but like the anyone, Nazi uniform. Yeah, yeah, I would not wear that, which by the <laughs> way, yeah, choice. the movie starts off rather bold. Well, but is it gay? Chase, that's why <laughs> yeah. we're here. Um, yes. We're going to find out how gay, I forgot how we segue into this. What it's do I say? It's a new year. You can do it every It's a new you year. Want. I've been, <laughs> I haven't even been off. We're begging these. Um, Chase, uh, as you may or may not know, we are looking for the gayest movies ever. So we have a complex and Byzantine scoring system with which to judge them. So we're going to go through a ton of categories. And at one point, you are going to come up with a category and it will be added, added to, to the, the week. week. What does that mean? Don't worry about it. We'll explain it when we get to it. Stop screaming at me. God. Anyways, these are the current top five gayest movies ever. Uh, In fifth place, with an 89.70% is The Apple. In fourth place, with an 89.81%, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. In third place, with a 90.37%, Madonna, Truth or Dare. In second place, with 92.99%, The Bride of Frankenstein, and still the current reigning champ with a 94.83% female trouble. So Chase, if you had to guess right now, how well do you think Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is going to do? I do think Beyond the Valley of the Dolls stands a strong chance of cracking that top five. Really? Interesting. I've well, come. I've come with quite a case, even though that's not the tone of this podcast. I don't care. <laughs> we, love we love tones. We love tones. We love cases for this year. Good. Great. Um, but I think that this, you know, may, it, maybe it'll crack the top five. I think it has strong potential too. I think you. I wouldn't be shocked. I'll say that. I would not be yeah, shocked. I agree. If it did. Uh, well, let's Good. find out. So this first group of categories are the canon categories. So for these, we're each going to give a score between zero and 100. Then we'll take the average of all three of our scores. So, Chase, what would you give Beyond the Valley of the Dolls on a scale of zero to 100 in actual gay characters? In actual gay characters on a scale of one to 100. Well, there's quite a few. Yeah, there are. I would give this, I mean, I'm leaning towards a high rating because even though there are two at least. There's Casey and Roxanne. Well, there are, and then there's a spoiler third character who uh, gender queer, we would say. Yeah. Yeah. There's also those gay guys who are at at the party. At that party scene, which is what I saw Oh, that's what made you gay. Gotcha. That's what did it. Oh, God. I think think we had uh, (laughs) sunk that iceberg long before that. Oh, okay. That's not a good analogy. It is crazy (laughs) that there's like, rarely do you see a movie that has multiple party scenes. Yeah, I feel like a yeah. lot of times it'll just be like a party scene. This, this one almost has... entirely party scenes. Yeah, if they're not party, say, they're rocking. I would also say as a product of its time, this movie is 1970. Yeah. I would give it for gay representation, I'm going to say 95. 95. Okay. Yeah. That's a little high for me, but I get where you're going from, but I will give it an 83. 83. What's stopping you from going higher, John? 
I just feel like there's a lot of straight characters, a lot of straight romances going on there. There's just like, yes, there's more gay than you normally get in any movie, especially. <laughs> this is true. Time. Um, but I also think like pretty much anyone at that party at a certain point is going to be like, sure, whatever. It was free love. It's true. And free you drugs, know, free love, free drugs, free chips and dip. We can only hope <laughs> can you, imagine? Um, you have to pay for the chips and guac. I'm out of here. <laughs> the emails, you gotta throw Pills are free, but the- <laughs> this freaks me out. That's an outrage. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a 90. Given an average of 89.33, which is indeed the highest out of the last (laughs) nine movies, trouncing even Emmett Otter's Jugman Christmas, which had a (laughs) 71.67. How? I don't remember how. Oh, most uh, of, we said most of the River Bottom Nightmare. Most of the game. River Bottom. That's right. That's right. I mean, come on. It's, it's right there in the name. <laughs> yeah. All right. Our next category. So very strong showing from gay characters, especially from a movie that's over uh, 50 years old at this point. Yeah. Kudos, Russ Meyer. All right. Our next category. <laughs> gay icons. Okay. Now so it does have, have to... a cast of unknowns. So that's going to hurt. I think you have two possible cases to be made in the slightest of ways. Okay. One a cast member whose name is usually left off the full list, but whose impression is indelible. (laughs) Uh, Edie Williams portrays porn star um, Ashley St. Clair. So Ashley St. Ives. Ashley St. Something. This (laughs) is a woman whose only claim to fame, perhaps more so than this movie, and more so than being married to Russ Myers, Mm. is that she would often wear, and you'll want to pull this up, everybody, E-D-Y Williams, uh, Oscars. Because she would pull up and like what Madonna wore on the Blonde Ambition tour, she would wear less of that, but to the Oscars, just with full tits, um, full breasts. And so she is known amongst a certain set of older gays for being the one who went to the Oscars, just literally letting oh. it all hang out. Roger Ebert said she would bring like wild animals, like little pumas yes. to the Oscars, yes. like on leashes. Yeah. And she is one of the oh, yeah. cast members who's still alive. And if you Google stories about her, she's crazy. But she did develop. She was taken to the People's Court in 1982 um, as the defendant in an episode that I cannot find and have tried to. Uh, But I think that she has a niche, but pronounced older gay fan base. And then Russ Myers on a very squeaky scale is just somebody who is generally sex positive and pretty progressive, um, like Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill. There were movies that I was familiar with. So I'm not going to say like a hundred, obviously. Sure. But I'd give it like a 40. There's also the Jacqueline Suzanne connection. There is. Yes, thank you. Yeah. You're right. In fact, you know what? You've talked me into it. A 50. <laughs> a 50. <laughs> a 50. I think that we're really stretching here. I think there's not a lot. Russ Myers, yes, he's known, but he's known for like heterosexual titty movies i'm gonna have to go 21 21 no love for the uh strawberry alarm clock (laughs) what you think peppermints right if there was a gay bedroom accessory it would be a strawberry alarm clock (laughs) (laughs) um but in a weird way i do think the movie itself is a gay icon yeah sure so i'll give it something for that i'll give it a i'll give it a 35 okay Given an average of 35.33, which is four, about four points higher than the princess switch. Pretty good. All right. Our next category, 
the male gaze. How horny is the camera for the male form? To John's point, these movies are without question um, targeting a very hetero male audience. That said, especially when we get to our climax, um, right. you have a young, blonde, lean, fit man tied up, arms to legs behind him in a, not even a thong. Um, and then throughout- <laughs> An animal print, Speedo, no yes. less. Uh, and he is without question, a literal, object of lust um, yes yes so with that and then just there's also james eaglehart who does he play he plays the boxer oh, oh yeah, yeah randy that's who i thought there yeah there are and i'm like the men in this movie are not ugly so it's not like they were no. just casting attractive women lance rock uh, he reminded me of um thunderbird you like the marionettes Oh, yeah. All right. He had the facial structure of a Thunderbird. He has such like a distinct <laughs> looking face. Yeah. I was yes. like, where have I seen this before? I was like, oh, that marionette action show. And, and despite <laughs> the insane nature of this movie, I think he's one of the few who actually gives some sort of performance. Well, um, the fun part is like all there. the actors perform this insane stuff, stone faced with the utmost sincerity. They right. believe they were in a dr dramatic film. And that is how Russ Meyer instructed them to ask. They would say, <laughs> yeah. this line sounds funny or corny. And he'd say, no, this is a serious. So every direction in every scene was serious, serious drama, <laughs> which makes it even funnier. Yeah. Yes. I would say for male gaze, I'd give it like a 75. 75. Yeah, we got some stuff. I'll give it a 65. 65. There's also that uh, really hot bartender. When, the Nazi? Uh, is it no, the Nazi, no, no, the bartender? No, the no Nazi in the, the bartender. When the when when Kelly takes the pompous guy to the bar and like pushes him into a table and oh, throws the towel on himself, oh, right. yeah, yeah. the guy, yeah, the guy <laughs> throws the towel and she catches it in a second immediately. <laughs> um, that bartender was hot. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a 72 because you, there's such a long amount of just that guy in a speedo towards the end. That's true. Yeah. All right, our next category entrance. Oh, it got a 70.67, which is the highest, higher even than fame, which got a 65. That's the next highest. All right, our next category entrances with pizzazz. Now, this one I think is a little tough because it is edited so frenetically. Yeah, right. That there's really no point. No one hardly, there's not a lot of entrances to this movie. The scenes just start already, we've already entered. Yeah, well, there is that. the one thing that I wrote was when we first the, near the beginning of the movie, when we first go to Ronnie Z man's party. Yeah. And he just like introduces everyone. It reminded me of yes. the opening of Boogie Nights where you just meet mm -hmm. everyone. Yeah, yeah. And, like This one continuous. That's that person. They do this. That's that person. They do this. So it's sort of like a pizzazzy. It was more pizzazzy introductions than entrances, maybe. Sure. But there's I, something there. I thought about that, too. And I think that. Like, let's say that the way we're introduced to Kelly, our, our guest lead, Kelly McNamara, a genuine Irish actress portraying her. Her um, accent is wild. <laughs> sometimes she's English, the, sometimes she's American. Right, but she showed up to set every day, I'll give her that. Absolutely. Uh, the, the way we're introduced to her is rather shocking. The way we're introduced to the characters right before we're introduced to her is rather shocking. So I do think that even if they're not like a Margot Channing stature of entrance in a traditional right. cinematic way. I do think mm. that oftentimes these introductions, even if kind of mid-scene or violent, are still kind of frenetic um, and over the top. Yeah. Like we're watching Ashley St. Ives when we first see her, like gyrate with a really weird looking couple. <laughs> yeah. Weird by any standard. And so I would, I would say that there are unconventional 
but still uh, big entrances. There's so also I'm, Ashley when she's creeping up on Harrison gosh, in her Harrison. roles. <laughs> when she yeah. creeps up on, when he's walking away from the party and she. Yes, a scene scoops text, him up. A scene textbook film school and how it's edited and <laughs> displayed in front of us. Yes. I would give it, I don't know. I'm inclined to hmm. take into account the aesthetic and say like a, an 80. Great. <laughs> Not going to get an argument for me. 80. Uh, I'll go 50 because I feel like it is mostly introductions rather than entrances. Uh, yeah, I'll go 55. Given an average of 61.67. All right. Our next category, the Mike Pence anxiety scale. How much anxiety do you think this movie would give Mike Pence? How about this too? And I've got two trains <laughs> of thought. One is the obvious, that this would just send him into a coma. Right. Because right. my litmus test, sadly, mm. to relate to Mike Pence is, well, how would my mother feel about this movie? And she sure. would hate this movie. But then there's also this, and I think it's more of the satirical nature. I don't think we're supposed to actually take this away. But you do have your, and I don't mean heterosexual, but you do have your straight characters speaking out against like marijuana cigarettes and this sure, disgusting right. generation of hippies. There is so that, there's a sense of like wicked, like the the wicked people have it coming to them. Like uh, come up and yet I know that those characters are included there as satire, like the right. weird record manager or not record manager. Uh, he's got such an odd character name. Oh, Porter, like Hall? Porter Hall. Porter Hall. <laughs> um, like I see him as very arch stereotype so i don't know if that's so much pro mike i would say that well even he is like eventually seduced and smokes pot so he's a hypocrite yes i mean i would honestly i i would say for the mike pence i could make a case for giving this like a 98 are you making that case mm -hmm. i am i'm done <laughs> haggling <laughs> all right so you're gonna say 98 I think this is an X-rated movie. There's drugs, there's nudity, there's free sex. I don't think there's anything about this movie Mike Pence is going to last more than five minutes watching. I'm giving it 100. 100. <laughs> now, Christian Spotlight on the movies did not review this film. Really? They haven't gotten around to it They yet. haven't gotten around. But they it. did review another film about a female's band descent into debauchery, Josie, Josie and the Pussycats. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. which they mostly liked except for the girls in modesty. <laughs> um, but I do think this is, uh, this would be too much for Mike. He doesn't get, the, I don't think a satire of Valley of the Dolls is up his alley. <laughs> Call me crazy. I mean, even if nothing else, even if this were a more traditional subject matter, I think the way that it's edited alone would polarize a lot of people. Oh, like even just... if you took like, um, I don't know, the best years of our lives, a very pro-America World War II movie and edited like this, I think you'd still lose like the Patriot vote. That if the best years of our lives was edited like <laughs> beyond the Valley of the Dolls, like that a I fever dream, that would be insane. Yeah. Um, someone should do that version. Uh, but I'll give this a hundred. <laughs> I feel you just for the gayness of it all. Um, sure. Giving it a 99.33, which is higher even than the House of Yes, which only has a 93 in that category. Okay. All right. I think you're going to do well in this next category too. Hell on Heels. Feisty mm -hmm. Ladies. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mostly feisty ladies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, not one male drives this story. No, uh, as largely as any of the female characters, which is apparently true of all Russ Meyer movies. The men are the objects yes. or the men's are, are not the protagonists. They're ineffectual to the plot. 
in a very subversive way that is not without its um, problems. I think Russ Meyer had a certain affinity for women beyond just the low-grade porno director would. And I'm not here to defend <laughs> Russ Meyer's. I've seen exactly two of his movies. Um, and I'm good. I would say, I mean, when you consider to the feisty angle, I would give this a 100. A hundred. I mean, Ashley St. Yeah. Ives alone. Yes. True. She knows exactly what she wants and she goes for it. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't and take loves... no for an answer. Nope. She's always gr- gritting her teeth. And then disappears uh, two thirds of the way through the film, never to be seen or heard from again. Mm. But what an impression. Yes. And we're all worse off for it. (laughs) I also like the woman at the, in the opening of the prom, who's like looking at the girls rock band goes, absolutely disgusting. And you know, (laughs) she is the only actress I recognized because she was in an episode of the Brady Bunch. Oh. As I believe, I know she was on the Brady Bunch for sure. But it was either she's the one who was in the classic Marsha, Marsha, Marsha episode where she's either Jan or Marsha's teachers, or she's the one who sells Jan the wig when Jan wants. <laughs> oh, right. Also, different. wait, okay, a much, a much bigger thing. No, I'm confusing the actresses. She was in the Brady Bunch, I'm about to confuse her with somebody else. And before we do that, um, <laughs> let's leave it. So that was the only face I recognized because- Before we do that, let's not do it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, this is the oldest episode of Two Old Queens after <laughs> unpacking pretty much guest stars. I'm just now uh, getting around to it too. Uh, we were giving Chase. Uh, Chase gave it a hundred. John, what do you want to give it for Hill? I'll Eagles? give it a ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. So close. There's some um, girls who just cry and don't do much. But I think Ashley St. Ives, I got to give it 100. I think this uh, given an average of 99, which is also the highest we've had in the last, uh, what is this, nine movies. All right. So just to go back and not dwell on this too much, uh, (laughs) what's the drummer? Oh, Peg, um, Pem, Pet. 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 So Pet also, um, both as a woman and just as a black character, I thought for 1970. This was a fairly strong, non uh, more closer to three performance. Yeah, and I thought. I mean, she also. I thought a, you were studying. Yeah, she also <laughs> has a complicated life. Excuse, you're that right. Makes, this is my fault. Right. One of my favorite lines in the movie, but she's just a strong. I mean, she's a complicated woman. She who isn't? Yeah. Yeah, but she's she, a drummer who gets shot yeah. in the shoulder. Uh, I find her to be one of the most grounded characters in an insane movie. Well, that relationship yeah. is the most grounded, and even yes. that relationship has some wild uh, bumps <laughs> along the way. Yeah. Our next category, Chosen Family. Well, there's the Carrie Nations, formerly known as say, the Kelly Affair. Being in a band feels like a chosen family. Yeah. I think what cements it for me is our mm. very, very, very final ending scene. Um, oh. We're witnessing a yeah. three-way wedding. So I think that, and then to just... age uh, to age myself. Do you think that was a reference to the Palm Beach story? Just me. All right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that ends with a double wedding. Yes, yes. I think that Chosen Family has quite a case made for it here. It is um, kind of like the whole LA, and it's like everyone comes and like all these disparate people who meet at a party end up being like that's yeah. who. Uh, Casey calls when Z-Man loses his mind. Truly. And starts murdering it, everybody. For Chosen Family, I think I'd give it a, I'd give it an 80. I think. 80. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it's a lot of people looking for their family. It doesn't feel the sense to me that like it has that like gr- like we're a tribe into ourselves and we're looking triple wedding so though, much. John. Yeah, but that's like three different. Yeah, I'm gonna go. That's like a cult. That's like a Mooney. You know, when they get married <laughs> at married, Giant Stadium, they're not like all six of them aren't marrying together. It's no, but like it's a mass wedding. We don't know that. Are you saying are cults chosen families? Probably, yeah. I guess you would say that. Well, this is like a Mooney wedding, three mass wedding. Uh, I don't know. If, I think it was just a them trying to one up uh, Palm Beach story. Um, I will give it a 63. 63. I'll give it a 60. <laughs> Given an average of 67. They're Moonies getting married. Yeah. Mark, <laughs> yeah. Mark, it's a bunch of Moonies getting married. Yeah. Well, Mark, what about that wedding scene at the end? Yeah, That's why three I gave it a weddings. 60. No, I, mm-hmm. I made that argument before I knew John's crazily inflated <laughs> score. He went too far the other way. He <laughs> took my argument and ran with it for once. <laughs> Also gave it a 67.67. All right, next category. This one also might do well. Macabre. Oh, Macabre is this movie. One of the, my notes for Macabre is one of the longest. (laughs) I started and then stopped. All I wrote was, Opening with the closing credits, which I thought was like a, a very like it. It opens. There's a title card saying this isn't Valley of the Dolls. And then it does a scroll of the cast as if the movie has just ended, which mm. I think is sort of this weird, brilliant way to disorient you to be like, wait, this feels like it's over now. We just got started. And I think not cutting away from a suicide on television. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think <laughs> considering that this movie opens with a very tasteless parody of Sharon Tate's murder. Sharon Tate having been the star of the first one and her murder not even taking place, not even a year. Five months before they started. It wasn't even in the original script. They added it after the murders happened. (laughs) So I would say between the very first scene and the very end scene and pretty much most of what transpires in the middle, minus like a couple upbeat musical numbers and road trips, I'd say for Macabre, I'd say 95 95 90 90 90 90 I think because of all of it I'm gonna go 99 the only thing that's stopping it is ending with three weddings it's very Shakespearean that's not very macabre (laughs) but for me this whole movie is just dark and weird and there's so many different things that you could constantly be like oh my god in that part yeah right uh, also, I thought like listening to your own music while you're having a hookup, that feels macabre. <laughs> I love that. I've heard Chris Isaac does that. And I've heard John Mayer does that. So if you want some hot, wow. uh, out of date gossip, there you go. <laughs> when thought, did I, you make out with Chris Isaac? Uh, <laughs> every time I go back to San Francisco. Yeah, I knew about John Mayer. They make yeah. a turn off your ovens joke to the Nazi butler. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Yeah. The... <laughs> The fact that before we even know a single character's name or attachment to the story, we've seen a Nazi die on screen. Yeah. If I may, a 95. A 95, you want to alter your score? Really? This is laborious I'm losing sleep over this. (laughs) Oh boy. Fine, the score has been adjusted. Thank you. I wonder like were people, I was wondering like, oh, were audiences just like less sense? Cause they were closer to World War II then than we are now, but like the Nazi right. stuff was okay then. But then I was thinking, well, maybe people just didn't, people were just more freely assholes back then and didn't care if people yeah. had a problem with. So I think that probably is more what's happening. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the cultural temperature of 1969, 1970. I do know that 
when we come back to his murder at the very end, um, Z-Man is crazy, but Z-Man is also saying you will now suffer for the deaths of six million innocent people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you but then why did least... you hire him? Why is he your butler <laughs> if you have this issue? Uh, maybe that was his Have long... you ever had any of his drinks? I can't yeah. say I have. Well, and maybe that was his long con. Like, I can overlook this armband. I see, because he makes also, a good old fashioned. That's a little too old fashioned, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> but then also, why befriend all these people just to, I don't know, shoot them? I don't know. It's Hollywood. That's Z-Man. Hollywood, baby. But also, this one of my favorite lines, I would say, is Macabre, is Z Man declaring, You will drink the black sperm of my yeah. vengeance. Mm-hmm. I got to okay. give it 100. That's Macabre, baby. Fair and enough. so funny. Yes. Um, given an average of 98. The highest we've had, even more macabre than Scream 3, which honestly, that makes sense. Yeah, I do love Scream 3, though. All right. Our next category, dramatic lighting. There's a bunch. There's some fun stuff, especially at the end party. Yeah, the party stuff. There's a lot of key lights happening at the end with the with the women. Most of this movie with like one or two exceptions is filmed on the Fox lot. So it is all controlled lighting. Yeah, and I mean, I can't think, you can't, like you said earlier, this movie is not boring, and part of it is because of its visual. I think the set design, the production design is crazy over the top, but like through a lot of the movie, it's just like standard, like studio lighting, and they're not really taking like big swings with it until like the band sequences end, like the final house assault. Mm-hmm. In terms of dramatic lighting, like it's not dramatic lighting. Well, it's not a, it's do... not a giallo movie, you know. It's right. not like, they're not going sure. over the top with it. It's not. It nothing. does feel somewhat inconsistent. Like there are times where it felt yeah. like they had time to work on lighting. Another time they're like, "Is everyone seeable? Great. Yeah. Right. Can did we see the tits? Great. <laughs> did everyone show up to set today? Great. Yeah. Great. Uh, dramatic lighting. I'd say sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. Yeah. I'm gonna go with all the the party drug lighting and the 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 concert lighting. I'm gonna give it an eighty. 80. Uh, I'll go 75. Given an average of 74.33. Finally, Chase, on a scale of 0 to 100, how likely are you to recommend this movie to a gay person? Uh, 10. The scale is one, you've just said this, 1 to 10, yes. No, zero to still 0 to 100. Oh, still excuse me. Yeah, that's why. Okay, <laughs> long, great long-term memory, but terrible short-term memory. Huh. I would give it... I would give it a 100. 100. Because if for nothing else, it shatters the notion that, I mean, granted, you had a lot of socially progressive movies by this point, but you didn't have any that were as progressive in their non-conventional sexuality. Mm -hmm. So I do Mm -hmm. think that it is a bit of cinematic history, even where its portrayal of lesbians is problematic, it still treats their relationship as a fairly integral part. It certainly leads to their demise, unfortunately. So I would say it has a historical significance in addition that's to- That's your argument to get gay people to watch Beyond <laughs> the Valley of the Dog? No, that's- The progressive that's, well, history oh, lesson of it all? Okay. That's one of- one <laughs> And not of, the constant insane dialogue? <laughs> that's one of hundreds. Oh, I'm okay, trying, okay. To be, trying to okay. be- Yeah. In an attempt to be thoughtful. But then I would also I say see. for, yeah, just how it, there's nothing you can compare it to. The closest might be like Barbarella. Um, and even then, sure. this movie shatters Barbarella. I would agree. And no, I I've, never seen, I've never seen Barbarella. Oh, oh it's fun. It's kind of like this. It's, but not. it's kind of like this. The yeah. 60s of it but, all, I mean, like the aesthetic yeah. of it all. But also just the camp sexuality. I think those mm-hmm. are my two. I love camp. 
Really? Uh, when camp, <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? It's usually oh, yeah. all sports and, and yeah. foot game ball with me. <laughs> foot game ball, yeah. And this is a fun nod to this TV show, but I think that like the 60s Batman series very much was so. one of the first pioneers of like making that sexuality for a PG audience hypersexualized, cut to a movie with limitless potential mm. and an appearance by the actual 60s Robin and Catwoman outfits. This right? true. At the party. They are picked to wear them. I think there are hundreds of reasons to recommend this to gay people, both historical and superficial and bitchy. I mean, one of my favorite lines is, uh, I don't know if she says to the guy at the party, you're drunk. And this obviously gay character says, and you're a bitch. I love it. <laughs> right. What more do you need? <laughs> yeah. It's like a Muppet movie with all humans. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, John, what do you want to give it for likely to recommend to a gay person? I will give it a 97. I think there's very few gay people who I'd be like, you could skip it for the most part. Of, as you like, yeah, it's definitely worth seeing. It's crazy. Spanish. You, it might not become one of your favorites, but you should know it more than just the title and that Roger Ebert wrote it. Right. Um, does it make you think more or less of Roger Ebert? It makes me think more of him. Um, me too. Because I think anyone who can write something that is left to such stupor and open-ended interpretation. <laughs> and just now, especially the fact that he's no longer with us, I would love to ask him about almost every scene in this movie. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Truly, that would probably be my only question. So I love him more for this. I think this was his time to shine. He did it. Well, if you ever yeah. want a good cry, watch that documentary, Life Itself. Ooh, baby, that's a rough that'll one. Get you. That'll get you. Do they feature this in that documentary? I think they maybe mention it. Mention it? Kind of can't not mention it. Right. Uh, I'm going to give it 100. I think this is essential. I think this is essential viewing. So giving it an average of 99, which is seven, no, 6.67 points higher than the House of Yes. <laughs> All right. And 96 points higher than God damn it. All I want is Christmas, <laughs> a.k.a. Ira Finkelstein's Christmas, a.k.a. Switchmas. All righty. <laughs> We have a new recurring bit that I hate. <laughs> that you're all the right. only one doing. But I can't help it. <laughs> uh, all right, now we're into the wheel category. So these categories are all categories previous guests have brought in. We've put them all on this wheel, which is an app on my phone, as you can see right now. So uh, we are going to spin it once, whatever category randomly pops up. That's how we will judge this movie. After that, I will pick a category from the wheel to use. Then Mark will pick a category. And finally, you, Chase, will come up with a category, which we will add to the wheel to use to potentially judge all future movies. You got it? See how that paid off? Foreshadowing? Mm -hmm. Like the opening credits of the movie. They all, it all comes together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Was that. Some, that was beyond foreshadowing. That was just... Uh, that was neither for no shadowing. That was just, <laughs> just here's what happens. This is right what it is, yeah. right on the nose. Well, here we go from Mean Girls. How rainbow bright is it? Oh, it's very rainbow bright. Yeah, it's mostly yeah. rainbow bright. And does uh, that mean on a literal colorful scale, or does that mean on like yes. a? I think so. Okay. Yes. I mean, oh, I gosh, think obviously then, yeah. a rainbow bright movie. What is that? Yeah, a Terror in <laughs> Clownland or something. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I think uh, that's definitely yes. 100. Mm -hmm. but a hundred. But then also, yeah, Wizard of Oz would probably do well in this. I would think definitely. You know, I had this revelation the other day, John. I was watching okay. while I was cleaning the house. All right. I put on Christmas on the Square, of course, um, and then I put on Meet Me in St. Louis. Okay. I think I like Meet Me in St. Louis more than The Wizard of Oz. 
You mean the movie or the the songs or what? The movie. Okay. They're very different, but sure. Huh. Both got Judy. I don't know. Both got Judy. Young Ju- Judy at the beginning or Judy at the prime? Which one's which? Uh, the beginning is Wizard of Oz. Ah, got it. <laughs> <laughs> then the prime. Give me the prime. prime. I, I was, maybe St. Louis is funnier than Wizard of Oz. Sure. That's all. That was my uh, <laughs> big takeaway I had to share. Uh, <laughs> so how Rainbow you, Bright is. How Rainbow Bright is it? What did you say? I'd give it a hundred. A hundred. I'd give it a hundred. I mean, it's just so damn colorful, especially yeah. in a movie that is just color. The scene in her weird apartment or house or whatever that is. Inflatable where pillows? Listening, where she's not only listening to her music while she makes out, there's a giant bed-sized poster of her album cover right above her bed. Mm-hmm. Yes. But there's so much color in that room. There's a new detail I pick out every time mm. from the weird like bird feeder that's inside an apartment to like the <laughs> phallic lamps. A lot of color. A lot of color. John, what do you want to give for how Mabel Bright is it? I will give it, there's nothing that goes like too, too saturated. Like it doesn't quite become like an animated movie or cartoon, but it is pretty it's like true. It is pampered by not being I, drawn. <laughs> I will give it a 91. 91. So is, uh, is an animated movie the only possible 100? No, but I just think that this doesn't go like to like super elevated, like saturated colors. I see. Uh, I think mostly for the production line, all the party scenes, I think it's pretty high. I'm going to give it a 96. Mm-hmm. Give it an average of 95.67. All right, John, the time has come for you to pick a category. What are we going to do, John? What are we doing? What are we I'm picking about? from Little Shop of Horrors party drugs oh it's mostly party drugs mostly me. party drugs mm-hmm. there's peyote there's grass there's uh, speed there's mushrooms it's pretty much anything that had been invented up to that point they're doing they don't do coke they don't do coke it's implied fact, though <laughs> yeah is there a scene where someone can wipes their nose i'm trying to think at the maybe the party scene regardless I still say it's replete with drug use. Yeah. I think only for yeah. the absence of cocaine, like you've been a 99. 99, <laughs> you get an extra point yeah. for cocaine. Yeah, I need that cocaine, coke I'll for an extra 90, point. I'll give it a 94. 94. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a 95, why not? Give it an average of 96. All right, the time has come for me to pick a cat. Now okay. there are quite a few. So there were a this lot to movie, I. For a while, I was thinking melodramatic monologues because there's at least three. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going back to basics. This is from Indeed. I believe it is, ironically, not ironically, funnily enough, Meet Me in St. Louis, Vibrato. It is from uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. You're correct. So Vibrato. So that's why you brought that up earlier. For sure. I didn't even know it. So this is like going over the top, but you like it. Anytime they give you something extra. extra, they zhuzh it up a little more than the moment needs, but they give it to you and you like it. Oh, good night. I mean, John Lazar's entire performance is vibrato. As yes. a man, the, uh, he's doing this sort of Shakespearean dialogue the whole time. Yeah, he's Clearly still with us. Yep. He's very active on Facebook. If you have any questions for him, <laughs> oh, <laughs> have you uh, have you posed some questions for John Lazar? I'm not. I did meet Dolly Reed Kelly at a that theater in Santa Monica. Is at the Arrow Seven where they show like some retrospective oh, movies yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. They showed this there and she was there to talk about it afterwards. Fun. And nice. it was really fun seeing this with such a huge group of people. I bet. More like, Cause that's the like name of the game with this. That, yeah. yeah. For vibrato, I would give this like a 83 for vibrato. 83. Cause you do have some more 
some diminutive characters and some kind of sedated <laughs> characters. Not a whole lot, though. Not a, no, yeah, even, even okay. their storylines evolve. I, I would say hitting also, a man with your car and having him. Okay, this is the last time I'm going to change. You don't need to promise that, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because we don't believe it. Nine, you're good. Good. Because I'm lying. 93. 93. Old 10 point difference. I think, yeah, I think um, John Lazar's entire performance, the ending where they go through every char character and be like, here's their lesson, here's what they learned, here's, where, here's what their issue was. I think just someone like becoming paralyzed and then at the end being like, I can wiggle my feet as like redemption. <laughs> There's also that, that scene happens after two, three people have been murdered and their yes. friend like in the same scene going, oh my God, it's terrible. They're screaming, crying. And then he starts... I can feel my legs and everyone's joyful. Yeah. In the same, within silver moments. linings. Yeah. <laughs> like they've I, forgotten I about their dead friends. And, like, it also, and it happened because people like did a pratfall on him. Like he's like him? trying to like go and into a house where this like showdown is happening. And he's and people like spill out of the house and like trip on him. And that it sort of was like that, that old school back. of like, I have amnesia because I got hit on the head. And then you get right. hit on the head again. And it's like, oh, now I all my memories back. That's what I, that's about like. I have to take a moment to just marvel at someone listening to this without ever having seen the movie and just a lot of oh, the yeah, plot points we've described, <laughs> like the Nazi, the lesbian couple. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the abortion yet. Um, right? Well, you save the best for last. With the egg yeah. scramble. Uh, yeah, I think this movie is about vibrato. It's about being extra. It's about taking any the moment and going, vibe. let's ramp it up what's the most you know like it's not just a cheating plot it's a cheating plot that goes here it's you know it's also like there's an abortion scene the abortion scene like that <laughs> we didn't even talk about that nurse when we were talking about strident women. Get in it. we're ready for, hurry up yeah she's, she's like, like so a nurse mean. in abortion clinic who just is, has got somewhere else she'd much rather be and is annoyed that you're there i'd like it's, for church and then like the stirrups <laughs> are like out like to the ceiling in that doctor's office and the yeah. doctor has like crazy. They gave him like Coke bottle glasses. So he's a weird <laughs> like gray teeth. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go a hundred for vibrato for this one because there's also uh, a lot 100. of singing. True, that's true. And also the songs, pretty good. Yeah, good soundtrack. Um, I... I'm also gonna give it a hundred. So Chase is the one fucking it all up. Interesting. Sure, story <laughs> um, of my life. <laughs> giving it a 97.67, which is pretty good. All right, Chase, the time has come for you to all come right. up with a category that we can use to judge how gay Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is in all future movies. For sure. I have thought about this. Oh. Good. I've come ready. Okay. Um, the name of this category can be uh, <laughs> Strap On a Euphemism. Strap, Strap on, on a, a euphemism. So what do you mean by that? Just there's use a great, of a euphemism? Well, the euphemisms in these movie, in this movie, are very um, both sexual and frequent. So how often throughout the movie is someone talking about something when they are meaning something sexual? Like are, how often is, are like euphemisms deployed? Sure. Yes. And you think the more okay. euphemisms are deployed, the gayer a movie is. Well, let's say sexual euphemisms. Is there any other kind? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. I'm Maybe gonna go Christian flip euphemisms. some pages and uh, yeah. read a book. There was but, one uh, euphemism I didn't understand when it's, I think it's Pet is like talking about how did she score weed? And she goes like, well, I went into the rare book section and uh, yes. did some research. I was like, is that a euphemism? What are you talking about? Are we supposed to know what that means? Did you go to the rare book section? 
That is one. <laughs> I, of- I might need to get weed. Do I need to go to the rare book section? Yeah, I was like, she's saying it as if we all know what that means when you go to the rare book section. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know what that means, but you're that acting is- like we do, which is most of this movie. I feel yeah, like. that is one of many lines, though, that always makes me scratch my head because I don't know. And then Kelly's reaction to that line is so equally insane. It's almost yeah. like it gets plucked from another scene. Well, that's really getting it all together. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I guess, yeah. So what do you want to give this for a uh, strap on a euphemism? What would you give uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? And then of course, too, I have to explain where this line comes from. Yes. In the party scene, when Ashley St. Ives is meeting uh, whatever the poor boyfriend's name Harrison? is. Harrison? Thank you. Um, after flirting with him rather unsuccessfully, she says, you're a groovy boy. I'd like to strap you on sometime. Yeah. It's just a weird thing that I've never heard (laughs) anyone ever say. Like, what does that exactly entail? Like, what are, I feel like when we all close our eyes and picture what she's saying, everyone could picture something else. Everyone is picturing something different, quite possibly. Let's actually, okay. (laughs) We want to do this thought experiment? Let's all draw it. All right. I'll draw it. Well, we could re we could also retitle this category like let's talk about sex where it's less <laughs> euphemisms and just I think we need to honor the movie inspired so that's why I like strap on a euphemism. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh I would say and there are also are also some euphemisms that could be about drugs but all of them about relatively naughty behavior. Um so I would say for this one like a 93 93. Mm-hmm. Would you say calling downers dolls? Is that a euphemism? I guess I so. Know. Yeah, right? Like it's like. Yeah. 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 Sure. That's like slang. Yeah. Sure. Well, then for that, I'm going to go 97. Because they use doll. It's in the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the honestly, DNA, are they really beyond the Valley of the Dolls? It seems like they're smack dab in the Valley of the Dolls. They're right in the middle thing. of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give it a, I'm going to be right in the middle of you guys and give it a 95. Give it an average of 95. All right. All right. Now we are into the bonus categories. Extra, extra. So these categories, as their name implies, are bonus. So we're going to score them from zero to 10, and that'll be that percentage bonus points it gets from these categories. So if it doesn't do well in any of them, it's not going to work against the movie overall. These are just bonus points. It's just bonus. This is just for fun. The Love other it. ones were for serious Physical, scholarship. Yeah. That's really getting it together. Right. All right. The first one. So a scale of zero to 10% chase. What would you give this for musical potential? Oh, a 10. Fair. Yeah, Yeah. I'd also give it a 10. I'm surprised no one has done it, or I'm sure someone has somewhere. I will say this. I have played one of these songs in a spin class before. Oh. With no, I don't know if you'd call it warning, but with no warning. Sure. I think (laughs) even if you gave warning, what a difference is it going to make? It went fine because it's a very, it's the first song we hear, Find It, which is a, just two minutes. It's a nice steady beat. It's a good little warm up. If you were to hear that song separate from this movie, I think you would think that's a great rock song. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the songs themselves are one of the few things that I think are done with some actual quality in this movie. And that's a point we've kind of glossed over is that this movie is Thank also you. a musical. Well, is a tech well that uh you're like getting a, into dicey here. If it's a musical, <laughs> then we have to rate how good are the songs. But since it isn't technically a musical, we have to give it how could does that potential to be a musical. Then a 10. Then a 10. Okay. Uh, will, there's also they're in like a bar at some point like in a lounge with like mm-hmm. um playing full uh band but there's like trumpets 
on the yeah, soundtrack. Sure. None of the music <laughs> instrumentation is what is actually being played. <laughs> I'm also going to give it a 10, give it an average of 10, which is the highest, even higher than uh, House of Yes, which had a 9.33. All right, next category, Queer Menace. Any Queer Menaces in here? I mean, well, I think the Z-Man, what do we say? Z-Man yeah. is revealed to be a woman. Which no, is played for just... shock value out of the book of like Sleepaway Camp. Yes. Yeah. It also like wasn't something that when they started filming the movie they thought was going to be a part a right. detail of the characters or something they sort of came up they with the day of. Didn't didn't come up with the twist, yeah, about Z-Man <laughs> being a woman or non-binary at least yeah. until like yeah, a couple of days before they shot it. This is all language like, that did not exist back then. Right. Would we say this counts for Queer Menace? Because for Queer Menace, to me, it feels like it's a community and someone's coming in and is a menace. And this feels like you're if you're going to L.A., like you're going into the menace. And I yet also... I mean, L.A. is a city of queer menaces? Is that what you're saying? I guess so. But Who I find each other in a chosen family? The chosen, so I guess 100? Yeah. Because Z-Man does become like the protagonist by the end. So I guess he is the menace. He's the protagonist? Excuse me, no, no, no. Uh, uh. Listen to what I mean, not what I say. He's the antagonist. Ah. Depending on your perspective in life in general, I guess he could be. If you're a crazy person, I think you could call him an antagonist. Yeah. You're Charles Manson, he might be a protagonist. Gender identity aside, that was not cool. Yeah. Yeah. He really harsh in my mellow. Yeah. Um, I'd say 10. Okay, a 10. Because of him. I'm going to go five. Five, playing it safe. Um, yeah, this was tough. Uh, cause, uh, I don't know. I'll give it a six. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to unpack it. It's a mess. Like this <laughs> movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. The gender politics of Beyond the Valley of Dolls are beyond my scholarship, I feel. Yes. Look, on average of seven, which is one point lower than Ebbett Otter's Jug Band Christmas in Queer Menace. So there you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Next category. Character actress makes a big swing. Ashley St. Ives at the very bare minimum. And yet Edie Williams, Edie Williams' limited filmography is um, pretty consistent. <laughs> so I don't think I'm going to be able to say. So it's not the only one swing. who had kind of an actual career with career with characters was um, Aunt Susan. <laughs> sure. And she and not from anything I recognize, but just from researching her, like she was on hotel in the 80s and oh, she worked sense, she yeah. works regularly but she was but also I, in vegas the yes. series vegas yep mm-hmm. under for all of two. our ancient listeners um <laughs> she was in the robert urich series vegas which my parents used to watch he could so drive his car oh, into the living P. room wow i think for her and her alone i would give it a two a two yeah that sounds about right i'll go two as well Two. What about Kelly McNamara? She has to well, do some wild emotional U-turns throughout this movie. But the way I take your question is <laughs> a character actor, actress is someone who is known for, um, you know, like Julianne Moore for playing a multitude of different characters that you are familiar with. And Dolly Reed, I think this may have been her only movie ever. So it's just tough. <laughs> is to- there a bigger <laughs> swing than that? Like I'm going one movie, done. this is it. I love I, I love you trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Um, oh, she was in Vegas, Charlie's Angels. Oh, Kelly Dolly Reed. Yeah, is that who I meant? Yeah, Dolly Reed. Oh, well, she was Annabelle in Vegas. The Tender Touch. She played Dodie. Interesting. My favorite enough, episode. She was married to uh, Dick Martin of Rowan and Martin's Laughing. 
Fun going fact. loose with the use of the term interesting but sure <laughs> thank you <laughs> um i'll give it a four in character actress makes a big swing give it an average of 2.67 which is two points lower than phantom thread but that had leslie manville so what are you gonna do i mean all right our next category which is how witchy is this mm. I did like Roxanne, the fashion designer lesbian, when she's like trying to convince Casey to get an abortion, which I was also all for. She should have gotten an abortion. It seemed like that would make your life better. But she was wearing like this like cameo, like out of like the Victorian era. And it just had a very uh, Agatha Harkness uh, mm-hmm. energy to it all. Gotcha. And I think Z-Man, especially at the end. Yeah, absolutely. What do we think of Z-Man's bedroom? If someone showed you a bedroom that looked like it was straight out of medieval times, the restaurant, what would we think? I would run <laughs> and probably shield my nose from the smell of poppers. <laughs> See, I'd stay. Me too. Open my nostrils. I'd bring the poppers. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I oh, I didn't need to bring them. these from home then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you have your own. I mean, in a house that size, I don't know. I'd live with it. You don't have to go into that bedroom. That bathtub, though, and to quote Kelly, ferns in the biffy, class. Sure. <laughs> what does that mean? Biffy. I've never Greens heard Greens in the before. bathroom. <laughs> but biffy? Bathroom, yeah. Yeah. Is biffy. that a term we've heard before? No. Oh, okay. You're never, but now it's one of those things now you're going to be like, oh, I've heard it everywhere. I just, I speak carry nations. I yeah. see. <laughs> Very good. Um, excuse me, I go clean the biffy. Uh, <laughs> so, what do you want to give this for witches? Oh, I'd say a six. A six. I'm going to go four. Four. Yeah, I'll go four as well. Give an average of 4.67. All right, our next category, gay actors playing gay roles. Now, I did do some research. Okay. Mm-hmm. Erica Gavin, who plays Roxanne, is bisexual. Yes. All righty. And I did, a, it was... As for all the uh, extraneous gay men, they're often credited gay boys. Um, I did come. The only person I thought could be was Christopher Reardon. All right. Last name alone. Mm -hmm. Um, He played, I believe his character was called Gay Man. (laughs) You said that as if those words have never come out of your mouth. Oh, no. Sorry. Gay (laughs) boy. Gay boy. boy. He was gay boy. But there is also a character. He had a big career in choreography. Okay. And what about he lived George Stratton? in Rudolph Valentino's house called Falcon Crest. So, okay. so that yeah. feels, yeah. yeah. What about George Stratton, a- who played third gay man? I couldn't come up with any. I didn't, couldn't come up with that. I looked. Tim Laurie, who was, was second gay man? I also looked. Uh, nothing. What is uh, John Lazar's story? Um, Z-Man. He is heterosexual, as far as I can tell. Okay. But hey, I think the big one is Roxanne, who is the, the most prominent gay character. Truly. Yeah. I mean, I would say for Roxanne and for probably these, at least one of the other gay guys, I'd say seven. Seven. I think for that, I'll go five. Five. Uh, I'll go seven. Given an average of 6.33, which is higher than the next current highest, which is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which only has a six. All right. So that is, and 6.33 is the highest we've had in 10 movies. <laughs> movies generally do poorly in this category. Mm. All right, our next category, themes of mothers. Mm. Not really. I mean, there's no. a little bit about inheriting, like what Kelly's going to inherit her mother's money and what do we do about that? And But there's not a lot, this movie doesn't scream maternal energy. I'm going to no. say zero just out of, 
Yeah. I, yeah, because even in that scene where she's trying to get her to get the abortion, she goes, think of your father. Think of what this will do for his career the in the Senate. Yeah. Yeah. I'll also go zero for themes of mother, unfortunately. Zero. I'll give it a one for the inheritance babble. Gotcha. Giving it a 0.33, which is the lowest we've had. 2.5% lower than the princess switch. All right, next category. Drinks thrown in faces. I feel like that category is right after your heart, Chase. Well, yes. Um, I think you have directed me to do as much on stage before. I probably have. That sounds like me. Yes. That, that sounds, like, sounds me like our show. You. Yes. yes. What an old timey, big old timey vibe. Doesn't uh, Porter? Hall. Doesn't I think Porter get a drink thrown in his face? He gets like pushed, and he's holding a drink, and he's she pushes him, and is like drink kind of. But okay. someone gets a drink. Someone She's gets pushing. A... This, that's essentially a drink thrown. You know, it's the energy. It's the same right. energy. Mm-hmm. And then and Ashley he, tells Harris when he can't like he doesn't want to hook up with her on a beach. She tells him to go find some nice tender boy. And then she salutes. Yes. <laughs> Why does she salute with a guy she's just literally met? Then and, she uh, goes and gets like this twink up the stairs. Yeah. And a really subtle day for night shot. Yes. Yeah. Very subtle. Um, gosh. There's Dream also Randy of- Black, like driving a car into Emerson. That's sort of like that scene is so. Why does Randy get he gets enraged the second Emerson doesn't move it, doesn't get out of the way. I love that car. reaction. In a second, he's screaming at him. I love that reaction. So I, Emerson may be the most grounded character in this. I think Emerson yeah, is the character who I don't think character. ever does anything morally wrong no um he comes home early from studying there you go supposed to let's see (laughs) i would say drinks thrown in faces both literal and metaphorical i'd say an eight eight yeah there also is this fun little tidbit everyone keeps talking about pam greer is in this movie yes she is she had she apparently had one line they filmed her doing it once and then the director said moving on we we don't have time to do that again which is like the ultimate dr- uh, drink thrown in your face as an actress on your first mm-hmm. movie. And it's Pam Greer. <laughs> I'll give it an eight as well. An eight for the Pam Greer shunning. Mm-hmm. Roger Ebert said in the commentary that he's never been able to, he's heard that rumor himself and he's never been able to see her in the party scene. So he doesn't know where that is. Oh, uh, I'll give it an eight. Give it an average of eight. All right, next category. The last of the bonus categories, quips. How quippy is this movie? I mean, talk about having to stop writing. <laughs> there are so many fun lines in this. It, yeah. yeah. This is an eminently quotable movie from the more famous ones to just even the more obscure ones. Like, my new way of telling someone I don't understand something is I don't dig, which is a line that Kelly yeah. says to Harrison when he's mad at her. But I love saying that to people. They have no idea what I mean. But it's <laughs> such a quotable movie with actual quips meant to insult people, especially yeah. for Harrison. One of the gay um, guys, when they're interrupted from getting you know, a blowjob, just as they're leaving, says, certainly not helping the situation. Yeah. <laughs> Which, well, even in that- Close to in, my heart. Even in that insane- <laughs> That's your part. I could, uh, I, montage I at the beginning. <laughs> Get caught when, giving a blowjob at a party and then say yeah. something <laughs> nasty as you walk out. We didn't even talk about the, there's so much in this movie. Yeah. It's dense. It's dense and it's also an hour and 50 minutes. So it yeah. flies by in a second. But, but the going montage. to LA montage. That, LA! Actually, that whole, I want that to be a monologue that people do. And I'm shocked that that scene by itself isn't something that is vaguely Discussed viral. and dissected. Yeah. Rich yeah. Aunt Sally, bitch Aunt Sally. You know. <laughs> isn't that where they drop Classy, the Classy, trashy. 
They drop the C word too in that one, don't they? Communism? Uh, No, uh, the four letter one. Oh, cash. Yeah, I think they do. I didn't notice that. I, I wouldn't notice. I would maybe. not be shocked. I would not. They be say surprised. it at some point in that movie. I see. I believe you. And it's sad that that's a throwaway line in a movie like that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> There's also what I really like. Coming to the web, said the spider, etc. Et yeah. <laughs> Why etc? Because uh, she's lazy. She's but a porn like, actor. What, I don't. Not... But what is the next line that we're meant to be thinking? Like, what is the is the spider saying? Coming to my web, said the spider to the flies. How the thing goes. I took oh. that as her. Being Never heard like that phrase. A... I don't think so. It's like she's a precursor to Jennifer Tilly's character in Bullets Over Broadway. I see. Where it's like, they make me memorize all these lines. It's Uh, so, (laughs) I mean, any, this is like, you know, you can Bible dip, you could do Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, like script dip, (laughs) where you just like flip it open to a random page, point to a line, it would be a good one. Where's that page a day calendar? (laughs) I would give it a 10. A 10. A hearty 10. I'm going to give it, an eight because I feel like it is that the most quotable movie that you say the quotes from and most people won't get it. Well, fuck them. What are we <laughs> supposed to do? Like uh, Austin Power, Anchorman, I Love Lamp. That's better than Valley of the Dolls. No, Austin Powers. The people. Austin Powers <laughs> borrows from this movie. Thank he you. says, sure he does, yeah. "This is my freaking. This is my happening, and it freaks me out." Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Austin Powers. We need to hang out with better people than John if they don't get these quotes. I think you're right. Sure. I'm gonna give it a ten. Given an average of 9.33, tying it with the House of Yes. All right. Now we are into the iconic categories. So these are the lo- the larger, broader, more wide umbrella overall reaching categories. So we're going from zero to 200 for these next categories. All right. The first one is homoeroticism. What would you give Beyond the Valley Dolls in homoeroticism? Well, there are ladies making out mm-hmm. and having sex in ways I don't believe any lesbians have. And then, but no. it is happening. There are men about to copulate, presumably. Yeah. At least dancing around the idea. Uh, I would give it. We're in I mean, homoeroticism. Especially for the love scene between the two women, which has like a very lovely song playing and (laughs) isn't treated as like some vile deed. I I like the one where they have when they're underneath the tree and they're both like fully dressed in like business wear. (laughs) Yeah. And just like hand creeping up her chest and then just like squeezing her boob. Yeah. (laughs) I would say a 150. 150. I'll go 135. 135. I'll go 140, given an average of 141.67. You know, the next highest with a 32 is Emmett Otter's <laughs> jump back. <laughs> so over 100 points more. All right, our next one, drag queen inspiration. Could a drag queen watch this movie and come away with a whole book of ideas? I think there's I like the fashion of the time, definitely. But I think hard- also just the quips, the line, the acting. Yeah. The name, I mean, even a character name. You know what um, also stuck yeah. out to me this time? Okay. Is how the way Kelly says dollars is a lot like how Rue does on Drag Race. And I was wondering, That's is right. this where Drew took it from? That pronunciation? Because she almost says it exactly the way Rue does. <laughs> I wouldn't be uh, surprised yeah. if Rue Paul referenced Beyond the Valley of Dolls. That is not no, that not crazy. I don't I, think it is. And I think for a movie full of insane costumes, a couple of visuals still stick out to me. Like, of course... Z-Man's outfit at the end. Um, mm-hmm. There was this ubiquitous actress in every Russ Meyer movie 
I don't remember her name, but she is in this in two scenes. She is painted completely black at the party. Yes. And that is her outfit. And not like from the neck down. Like that is her outfit, is her painted body. Gotcha. So there are a couple things that stand out to me from a costume perspective where if someone in some remarkable way showed up to a party dressed like one of these things, I would be shocked, but I would know exactly who they're in. would know the reference. Yes. Uh, so I would say in terms of potential, whether in clip, quips, character names, or even costumes, I'd say an eight. Out of 200? Out of 200. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, it was the... Uh, the no, now you can't change it. You said you weren't going to change it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, no, too bad. I'm not going to change it, but I'm going to add to it. Eight plus... Um, I'm going to go to 150 again. 150. Yeah. I think the fashion of it, the vibe of it, there's so yes. much to get out of here and be excited by and to sort of... I'm going to go 170. 170. Okay. Even just like... I'm sure this must have been done where they're just taking lines from it and incorporating that into their lip syncs. To a number? Yeah, that seems like, I'd be shocked if that hadn't happened. So therefore it must have. I'll give it a 180. Also, we haven't mentioned her, the older lady with the orange hair. She's great. She's great. Yeah. (laughs) Love her. Give her her the Oscar. Love her. I do love her. (laughs) I did a deep dive on her. She had a, for what little is known about her, she had a fairly interesting story in terms of also being used in a lot of Russ Meyer productions. Right. Okay. And typically having one or two lines that were just exceptionally vulgar. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, Roger Ebert said, Russ Meyer is the most loyal man he ever knew. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that nice? That's nice. Makes sense. Well, uh, Beyond the Valley Dolls got a 166.67, which is indeed the highest, higher even than Gremlins 2, the new batch, which had a 108.33. All right, finally, the last of the iconic categories, <laughs> Camp Factor. How campy is Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? Is there anything campy about John Waters' favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with an unapologetic 200. 200. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I was about to like quibble, but then when you said it's John Waters, one of his favorite movies, you can't, it's, you got to go 200. But I don't know, Mark, is there anything you think that you noticed? <laughs> uh, what a perfect segue, John. Uh, yeah, I do have a not as quick list of campy things I noticed. Here we go. The credit fashions by DeGraff of California, getting acid from the principal, seeing a map during a travel sequence, passing a bowl of Thousand Island, bubble baths, a senator's daughter in a rock and roll group, losing your friends at a crazy Hollywood party, a singer going from person to person to sing at people, double and even triple exposing the image, using a chandelier as a floor lamp, cars with vases in the interior, using the word hip as a slur, running in a field with your love, inflatable pillows, putting a quarter in a jukebox and dancing by yourself, teaching someone how to smoke grass, going into the, another room to slip in something more comfortable and letting your date see you change, using sand to flirt, a boxer who can only speak in boxing terms, using airplane crash sound effects when Harrison jumps to his death, <laughs> sudden pregnancy reveals, Cutting from a woman screaming at a stirrup in an abortion clinic to a close-up of pancake batter. Drug freakout montages. Michael Blodgett, who plays Lance Rock, goes on to write Turner and Hooch. The 20th century Fox theme kicking in when Z-Man cuts off Lance's head. And finally, a movie having a closing monologue that that clarifies all the movie's themes and then going to an epilogue with a triple wedding. Uh, 200. I w- would you put that at the very, very, very beginning of the episode, your answer, just to give people an idea of what this movie has in store Interesting. for Interesting. Mm-hmm. Form follows function. Finally, we're into the crown jewels. 
So these categories, we don't rate. We vote either it gets it or it doesn't. All right. The first one, a 15% bonus for a positive portrayal of homosexuality. In some ways, I think you could make the case that it does because nobody the judges the couples ever. It's treated pretty normally. True. No, with a guy, he's like, what's this faggot business? Everyone's saying I'm a faggot. There's some yeah, like, but that guy like, is like a villain. You know, the guy who says that is also an asshole and a gold digger. Like he's yeah. not like a hero. But I think also one of the off. lesbian couples is very sort of, um, what's that word when you sort of are stalking someone? A stalker? Yeah. Not a stalker, but she's very, you know what I mean? Like she's a little um, predatory. That's the word. I guess, I but think... also like she's like nice. <laughs> I don't, she didn't come off. She just goes after her and convinces her to get an abortion. That felt a little suspect to me to do that. I wouldn't, I, I think I, if, if you like come out to a family member, you don't be like, let's watch Beyond the Valley Dolls and you'll see like as a gay person, this is what my life could be like and you don't need to worry about it. Like, I don't think, I don't, I'm going to have to say no for positive portrayal of homosexuality for Beyond I, the Valley the Dolls. I think the reason I would also say no is because let's say we mm. have three minimum of three gay characters, uh -huh. if not other designations. Um, sure. They're all dead by the end of this movie. This is true. They're all murdered. <laughs> and shockingly gory. See, like all of a sudden, yeah. yes. it's like a gory Herschel Gordon Lewis movie at the end. Mm -hmm. And yet I do oscillate because to John's point, like no one ever calls out their behavior as wrong. Aberrant. Or, Even yeah, Z-Man right. doesn't say that that's why they're dying. Right. But I don't know. Um, I'm still going to go with no. Fine with me. Giving it uh, so it does <laughs> not get it. Um, finally, negative 50% of all the points if this is the movie Boat Trip. There's a lot of trips, man, but no boat trips. Ooh, so this baby. movie will not lose 50% of its points. All right, Chase, that's it. We're done. We are at the end. So now that we've gone through it all, do you still think Beyond the Valley of the Dolls will crack the top five? I do. All right. Okay. If not, um, I'd like to have everybody over on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> For what? <laughs> no. You have to oh, see the movie. Oh, I see. I'm not uh, putting on a Catwoman costume again. <laughs> not again. Fine. Well, I'll tell you exactly how it did. Out of a total possible 2,815.38 points, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls has scored 2,502.38 points, giving it a percentage of, now this is fun, 88.88%, making it the seventh gayest movie uh, of all time. Uh, Not as gay as The Wizard of Oz, but gayer than Can't Stop the Music. Fair enough. That's I mean, that's, that's yeah, sure. That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I brought a contender. But top 10. That's top 10's good. great. What a great way that's to start the new year. Yeah. Love it. Last year we started off with Air Bud. Uh, um, that one didn't score a delightful episode and delightful yes, guest, of course. but it did not score as <laughs> nearly as well. Um, yeah. I think this I is right Bud. now 2022 is going to be much better than 2021. Air Bud's another movie Impossible. I would love to see edited like this. <laughs> I mean, is there a movie you wouldn't want to see edited like this? Sure, I don't know. I guess not. World no. Trade Center, maybe. Yeah. Although maybe that would be better. All right. Could <laughs> be. Not, not experience. Nowhere, to go, nowhere, to go, nowhere to go but up. 
Uh, not true in regards to the World Trade Center. <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Chase, it's been such a treat having you This has been so phone. great. So much Thank fun. you both. Is there anything you'd like to plug, promote, or shill for at this time? You know what? No. Just be happy. <laughs> Chase, that's lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Shows how little I've got going on, too. But whatever. Well, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Old Queens, TW Old Queens. Follow me on Letterboxd, where I maintain the current movie rankings. Yes, you can email us at Two Old Queens, TWO Old Queens at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. If we got anything wrong, um, did you get Mark's reference to the Palm Beach story? Uh, let us know. We'd like to hear it. We'd love to hear you're the one. You. If you're in your seventies, <laughs> uh, we also have a Patreon you can listen to. Uh, get twice the episodes a month at Patreon.com/slash Two Old Queens. It's the, called the Retirement Plan. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and for only a dollar, if you do only a dollar, you'll get the camp list for that movie. Yeah, so for that week that you don't get a regular episode, you will get. But if you want to do five dollars, you get the whole episode. You get the whole thing. And we also have merch. If you go to Tee Public and search for Tool Queens, there's a lot of fun stuff you can buy for yourself and your loved ones. And a percentage of all the profits goes to the Okra Project. So you're not just buying merch, you're helping people out. And that's it for us. We'll see you next time, everybody. Stay safe. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now it's time for credits. We got music by Danny Cohen. Artwork by Conrad Shin. And special thanks to Alex Arche and Mike Rennie. Bye. Bye. We didn't get that right. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.